0: Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done,
1: supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun.
2: As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the
0: forefront, uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and
3: investment by them.
0: From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside
4: Supercars. And welcome to Inside Supercars this week, the week before Grand Prix fever hits Melbourne and a week after... The uh, motor racing left Adelaide and uh, after another successful event there. Craig, it's uh, wonderful to be here again on Inside Supercars.
5: It's good to be here and particularly a, a quiet week after the, the frenetic pace of what we experienced over the uh, Adelaide 500 weekend.
4: Yeah, and the good thing was that there weren't so many teams who were going away licking their wounds and repairing their heavy damage. There's certainly a few. Um, a couple of cars that uh, needed a refit, uh, Gary Rogers I think, um, certainly 888 will be looking heavily at their car one, but uh, terrific show this week because we've got Matt and Jim Stone, that's father and son, Matt Stone Racing made their debut in Adelaide with Todd Hazlewood. not a great weekend for them, not a terrific uh, debut, but there's certainly a learning curve for them. They uh, learned about the, the hardness of the main game. I'm sure their father, Jim's brother, would be telling them, uh, this is what this game's about. You've got to get on top of it because it, it's close. So that's one of the uh, series of interviews we have. The other one is Ryan's story and Dick Johnson. Now, this was done on the Friday afternoon, as you remember, Craig. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because the weekend didn't get better for them. They certainly had pace, but not enough pace. It was the ZBs that... Uh, really trust they got one podium over the weekend from their two cars so that was an interesting one so a lot of uh, sort of supplementary news around one of the interesting things craig that uh, came out was that uh, andretti's have confirmed that they've got some uh new bits they're making for their partnership with Walkenshaw and andretti united new bits to put on their zb which was very successful in the hands of james they lead the points championship in fact and uh, they're uh, very pleased with their so-far success, and James is looking forward to getting to the Grand Prix. Other news uh, around, well, on the back of that, was that we talked actually to Ryan about bits from Penske. Now, I actually have a source that tells me that there are some bits on the DJR uh, Team Penske FGXs that uh, were made in America. Well, we'll look forward to his response. Indeed to that. Um... And the other terrific thing that happened over the weekend was that Anton DiBasquale in the second of the Erebus cars showed some great pace and was the top performing of the five rookies, and that was wonderful to see. Motorsport news continues, though. We've got uh, coming up on the Easter weekend will be the six-hour production race uh, with uh, Chas Mostert going back. So far, he's been in two of the six-hour races with his old friend and cohort, uh, Nathan Morecambe, and they're rejoining again in uh, forward focus. They they've actually had a first and a second last year. They got second the uh, debut year of Chaz at the twelve at the six hour was a uh, first back in 2016. The other one coming back again is Tim Slade, another of these supercar regulars, who's uh, coming back to run with Dylan Thomas in the six hour again. So that's fantastic for that race to have such great drivers and great stars bringing some of their. Aura and, and Mystique, uh, to the six-hour race. Um, Will Davison had a terrific weekend. We did spent a bit of time talking pre-event to both Rob Palomo, engineer on number 230, Rob Crawford, and, of course, the owner, Phil Mundy, as well as Will. And uh, interesting thing is now we understand that they're re-evaluating their goals and their expectations for the championship. And after the very solid performance they put in over the weekend with their... Uh, FT, uh, or rather, Tickford Racing-built FGX. Very strong performance, and they'll be looking forward to the Grand Prix, I'm sure. So after the break, we'll be coming back with Matt and Jim Stone talking of the debut of Todd Hazelwood in Adelaide at the 500.
0: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.
6: for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be Inside a structure. Inside
0: Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au.
3: Hi, I'm Chas Mostard. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. Okay.
4: Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're here with Matt Stone Racing just after race two of his new career as a team owner in the main game. So how do you feel after this?
3: Yeah, no, it was good. It's good to be back in the back in the big league and and here and having a crack and uh not the uh not the uh, the best result as far as race weekends go, but we made some positive ground and learned a lot and got a lot of a uh, lot to do moving forward. As a son
4: of Stones, you have of course been in the main game when it was Stone Brothers Racing, now it's your name on the door. How long were you in the the main game when you worked for Stone Brothers? Um
3: no, how long is a piece of string i think right. i first showed up at the racetrack when i was about 10 years old right okay but uh officially i was working there at high school um part time and then straight out of high school uh had a couple of years sabbatical during my apprenticeship where i went away racing porsches and whatever i could jump on board with and yep. before coming back in the uh, actually coming back to stone brothers at the same time as shane van gisbergen yep and being with him until I until I departed to do Matt Stone Racing in 2011.
4: Do you feel now you've left high school? You're now in the workforce in the main game. This is your team.
3: With your name on the front. Um, look, I mean, it's uh, it's all. It's st- such a jump up, though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's all. It's familiar, familiar like an old friend. But it's also so very different to what we've been. You know, it's it's the same as what we've been doing, but on such a different level. You know, it is. You do forget how big of a step it is it, when you're only one paddock over. You know. Yeah. Okay.
4: But you've gathered some very good forces around you. Where's who you've known for quite some years? Your father, obviously, isn't far away. Even Stephen, uh, having him there, of course, is very experienced from techno, uh, and you worked with him at Stone Brothers as well. Yes, um,
3: Janelle. You know, you've got a great look. I mean, motorsports a team sport. It's not a driver. It's not an owner. It's not. It's not one. It's not a sponsor. You know, motorsport is the whole corporation that it becomes a team and. Uh, you know, it is a team. is all about the people, and you know we've got good people. Uh, those that we all we all know each other from previous working experiences, and we all know what our capabilities are. And it's just a case of us getting into sync in this new format, and and uh, yeah, it's all going very smoothly.
4: So when you get back to the factory, you've got to something. Some noise going on here. When you get back to the factory, you can do a set down on the car. Now you obviously need to do a set down on the team as well, because you have a debrief. Does that involve more than just one or two people?
3: Yeah, look, I mean, if you look at it from uh, how our team works, it's probably the the senior management side of it is myself, Steve and uh, Wes. Yep. You know, we'll, between the three of us, sit down and give ourselves a report card along with the team and the car and, you know, the, how the whole thing worked and then we'll uh, then we'll get the whole team together and we'll sort of build from there. You know, it, it's, it's important to always be building you know like it's a high stress environment in motorsport and things can go wrong and will go wrong but you know it's all about moving forward and progressing it's a logistics
5: game as much as it is a, a racing game too these days how has the logistics of just putting every piece in place you know just getting things onto the transporter make sure you've got the right things in the transporter when you get to the track how has that level of detail gone between what you were doing last year and this year
3: um, logistically, it hasn't been too bad because we, with all of the various racing we do and have done over the last few years, including a few odds and ends internationally, we've built up quite a, quite a lot of equipment, gear, trucks, so logistics was just a case of taking everything we had, pulling it all apart and reconfiguring it to suit this and all our other programs. You know? There was uh, some key bits of equipment that we had to, had to build or buy or you know, find, um, but essentially it was just a case of having a plan and putting it all together.
5: How many extra people did you have to bring into the team to be able to, because you still have cars over in the other paddock as well,
3: from memory? Yeah, so we're, we're, our, our core classes that we do is four classes, being uh, main game supercars, Super 2, Touring Car Masters, and then the, uh, the Kumo uh, Australian Touring Cars. Um, so we are, very, we are still spread between most paddocks in most racetracks so it was quite a quite a large expansion we already had a fairly reasonable size um, of about 10 staff and we're up to about 17 now so it was a it wasn't quite double but it was a it was a big step
4: are there things that you can immediately put your hand on over this weekend that you can say these are these are what we need to fix i'm not asking you to name them but uh, you know can you readily see wow we can improve that enormously and
3: look from, from a from a teamwork logistics and crew point of view uh, our weekend was was very good i wouldn't say flawless but it was one step off yep uh the only thing we need there is continuity we've got all people that know each other but not in this exact format and from the start of the weekend to the end it's gone leaps and bounds and you know we're now a yeah, we started off as a group of people who've worked together before, and now we're a team. So from that point of view, it's just a case of working together. And I think we really did have a great weekend as a team. Yep. Um, as a setup and performance point of view, our weekend was lacking purely in new team, rookie driver. We didn't. We we threw a spanner in the works with a new manufacturer that we. As a team and outfit, engineer and driver, don't have very much experience with, um, and that was probably our biggest uh, biggest hurdle was just trying to get on top of it. Um, it is a different beast to what we're used to. We're very very happy with uh, with the, the switch to Ford. Uh, we've tested it at Eastern Creek in Sydney, and we see some very very strong positives there. Yep. Um, but just us getting our handle around it at the street circuit, and you know, learning the learning the tools that. Y- that it uses versus what we've what we've been accustomed to over the last few years and, and you know I think we've made great gains in that over the course of the weekend.
4: One of the loveliest things for you I imagine, without being to be negative about it, is that you're loading the car because it looks very, very straight. It must be a great fill up for you given that two weeks or so
3: to uh Harvard Park. Look, um I've Todd's been with us as a team for going on five years, uh, and one thing he is very cautious of is, you know, not bending the car. He, he races hard, but he also races smart, and he always has. Yep. Um, I think the big, the biggest chance I've ever seen him have, uh, thankfully for me, and unfortunately for our neighbours, was uh, was not in one of our cars last, last no. year. Uh, he is a very, very smart driver, and he is very good at bringing it home.
4: Yeah, yeah. well that's certainly a great benefit to having someone who's a one-car team as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely
5: going to the grand prix next and uh, obviously you haven't had a car like this at that track either so it's going to be a, a steep learning curve do you have any engineering support
3: or any data support that you can lead to to help with base setups and things like that um look we we have a relationship with uh with obviously team penske where we bought the cars from i wouldn't go as far as to say it's a data or a technical support but it certainly uh certainly is a relationship there you know we're not we're not we're not we're not just a customer, but we're not uh, dependent at the same time. Um, we going to the Grand Prix. We're, we're a lot more confident than we were coming here. Uh, testing at Eastern Creek, we were very very happy with the car. Uh, testing on the super soft tyre, we were also quite quite uh, happy with uh, the package. Um, at Eastern Creek, we had a few red flags with uh, a bit of curb trying a few curbs and we weren't really sure how to get the car to react the way we wanted it to and then coming here that was amplified with the nature of the circuit um, grand prix i feel will really suit our engineering and our equipment and where we are as a team um, there are ch- certainly challenges with uh todd having never driven there um, but as far as the the circuit uh we've we've all in the in our team raced there before be it in supercars a few years ago or in multiple other categories last year and the year before. So I'm quite confident that Grand Prix will be a much, much better uh, suited track for us at the moment.
4: Okay, well, Matt, it's been wonderful chatting to you. I might actually try and find your father and have a quick uh, chat and get his perspective as being somebody who wasn't quite hands-on, but he was close and been obviously involved at the top end of motorsport for a long time. But congratulations on a great weekend. On a great weekend uh, debut for Matt Stone Racing in the main game of uh, V8 Supercars. No worries, thank you. Terrific to hear from Matt for the main game. After the break, Jim Stone, who has so many years' experience in motor racing, he's been there at the very top end of motorsport overseas and has been at Stone Brothers winning championships and now he's assisting his son to make the jump-up from the development series.
0: The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every every year I see Jackie Stewart Grand Prix, and I just remind myself... of of his part in in starting the the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
2: Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world.
0: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly.
3: Hi, I'm Fabian Colthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars.
4: I'm here with Jim Stone, father of Matt Stone. And, of course, Jim has a long history in motorsport going back into the 1960s, but most recently, of course, was one half of the Stone Brothers Racing. And, Jim, it must be a very proud day for you to have your son competing
7: in the main game under his own guise. Yeah, I mean, he's done a, a really good job. He's, he's probably a very good mix of Ross and myself. He's, he's probably he's a bit better than me with uh, financial and people. And he's learning fast on the engineering part of it. So, you know, I'm quite proud of what he's done. And so you should be too. Um, Have you had much hands-on in this role? I've done virtually nothing with the car, but everything with uh, truck trailers, um, infrastructure. There's a big, big change required from Super 2. Even though we did that wildcard last year at QR, there's still a lot of stuff that was needed to be built and i mainly took charge of all that yeah okay all right and did you envisage your time when this was going to happen Can you see this down the road you know when? well matt always could see it down the road i tried to steer him away from it but in the long run i, I guess he wanted to do it and i'm quite happy to be here um it's i do miss it i mean it's 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 the elite part of Australian motorsport and to be back in the pit road is quite exciting and actually a lot easier than I thought it would be I mean uh, it's a different perspective to where Ross and I had a team where we had to bring the finance, we had to go and find drivers, we had to pay them, we had to you know, Matt's in a situation where he has got some help um, and freed him up a little but it's quite exciting to be here, I mean Uh, people approach you with money rather than you have to go in Super 2 it's hard work all the way yeah indeed indeed um, are you
4: going to be going to all the rounds do you think? Yes. You are? Right Okay, well we'll look forward to catching up later in the year. Yep. And and I'm sure you're prepared for that time when you will have to step in, not have to step in but you'll want to step in to help solve a problem, whether it be a, a you know, metal problem or mechanical or whatever it is.
7: Yeah, I mean I think I think that's what I'm here for, I'm cook breakfast and make sure everybody's on time and do a few pit tours of the important people that are, that need to get the facts and I think that's quite impressive that when they see me giving them a tour. So, um, yeah, I can see a time when I'm going to say, well, I don't really think you should be doing that or I think you should be doing this and will they listen to me or not? I guess is their, is Matt's and whoever else's problem. A lot of the guys on the team now, have worked for me before so yes, Brothers. Exactly,
4: I was just about to say that. So, you've, you've got guys who you've trained that yep. now you're seeing working in
7: it. Yep. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Jim, because it is a real stepping yeah. stone for you as well. Yeah, That's I mean, it. I've got a back off soon and yeah. my poor old body going to like just loading the truck, but... Now, you know, I want to be part of the team, and I'll have to hang in there a little bit longer. Now, I've known Jim long enough, and I've had the privilege sometimes of seeing
4: some of his toys. What are the toys you have in your cupboard back home?
7: But they're Fords. Yes, a whole Fords. lot of Fords. They are. They're, come uh, on, tell me the special one. Ex- I've got police a police for- car. Uh, yeah, I got a '46 business coupe, 1946. That's the year I was born. Mm-hmm. I always wanted one, and I finished that, and it's come out unbelievable. And I got a few Cortinas and a Mustang and... Escort? No Escorts, no Escorts. Cortinas. Right. And recently realised that I didn't really have any Aussie Falcons, so I bought an XP Coupe, which I'm in the process of doing now. Wow. And just recently, Matt and I bought a Landau Coupe. Wow. So... I always thought that when I retire, I have to have plenty to do. I didn't think I'd have to do this much. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jim Stone. It's been wonderful to talk to you, and we look forward to
4: catching up later in the year. Thank you, Tony. Cheers, mate. Ahead of the break, we'll be joined by Ryan Story and Dick Johnson talking about DJR Tim Pensky, And we'll talk, first of all talk next to the top-performing rookie in Anton Di Pasquale. Welcome back to Inside 2, because we're very, uh, very pleased today to be chatting with the rookie of the month so far, that being Anton Di Pasquale who made his debut in Supercars' uh, main game after being in the development series with Paul Morris. He's now an Erebus driver. Congratulations! Two days in a row, top
1: rookie. Yeah, thanks. It was uh, it's good to get through both races without any scratches on the car. Um, race against some really fast, experienced dudes. Complete every lap, which was one of the goals for the weekend. So that was a uh, big tick there, and uh, obviously. Great effort by all the boys and girls for Dave to get on on the podium.
4: I see that somebody's actually tried uh, climbing in your back window there without uh, knocking properly. They just bumped away. Who was that?
1: I have no idea, but it's always better to have marks on the rear bar than the front. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs)
4: But it's a straight car. It's only a bit of fiberglass. got a bit of a dent. Um, That's also a very pleasing thing to come away with a straight car because the Grand Prix is only two weeks, and you're not a massive team. You've got to turn around after that. You would have been aware of that, obviously.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's always it's always uh, a positive move into the next round. You get more time to, to work on the car rather than fix it um, and think about how you will, will make them faster for Grand Prix. Okay. Um, and obviously with panels, not everyone's got a lot of them and spares of very little at the moment and obviously that's a lot of money for the for, for a team too. So um, it's it only my first race, so I was just doing everything I can to obviously get the best result and not make any, any damage at the same time.
4: Two starts now and... Uh... Did you find Either of them Intimidating in
1: any way um, not, not so much Intimidating I was Like that one there I was starting behind Lounge He's known to be One of the best guys Racing And I sort of just Followed him for a fair while At the start of the race And just Watched what he did Um a few interesting things Which I'll learn from But um, Not really intimidating Everyone played pretty fair I think And we all had pretty good racing, so it was, just, it was just a privilege to be out there, really. Yeah, okay. Uh, very enjoyable, the whole race. I mean, the great thing was the weather gods, you brought them with you,
4: obviously. Um, so that made it a lot nicer. You weren't having to worry about surviving the heat. You just, I mean, it wouldn't have got horrendously hot inside the Carradine stage.
1: It was it was warm, but not nothing. That wasn't the biggest you know, physical issue. Um, everyone said in the weekend, you know, if it's hot, you're gonna struggle. That kind of thing, um, which you know, Dave was talking about when he his, his first race was here and it was 40 degrees or something. So, luckily, it wasn't like that. Um, made it that uh, a debut that a little bit easier, but it's still a hard hard second day rather than the first. Obviously, back to back and. I've probably done. The body hasn't probably yeah, really Probably done five, five times more laps yeah, than what I would if I raced uh, any other category. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but still feel all right. So must have had an all right pre-season.
4: So now you've got the Grand Prix. Now you have an advantage over some of your rookie mates because you use, while you haven't driven one of these cars on a fast track, you've competed in Europe and you did so for two years.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So
4: fast tracks, wide open corners, which is what Albert Park is famous for. Something you like.
1: Yeah, I don't mind. Uh, faster corners went pretty good at Phillip Island and Eastern Creek last year in, in the Super 2. Um, so fast corners should should make a bit more sense to me than the street circuits, But and obviously a little bit less consequence in a place like here. Um, so hopefully it goes well. It's obviously a really long lap, and uh, you have to put everything together with long straights. So do a lot of research, um, use Dave the best I can, and uh, try and get the best result there too.
4: You've obviously got a very relaxed team leader in David. Um, he's somebody who enjoys himself as well. Um, I know you're a professional racing driver, but it must be make it more enjoyable to go to work with somebody knowing David's
1: in the other car. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, I was he's not. You know, I, we all know him as the, as the joker and the, the comedian off off track, but when it comes to racing and a uh, result, he's he's very serious and puts everything he can into it. So um, he's you know he's 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 quite open to helping me achieve the best result and very interested in how I'm going Um, so it's really good to have a teammate that you can have complete transparency with and there's no you know rivalry or anything like that so um, you know so far so good Um, and he's 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 helped me as as much as I think anyone else can
4: What's your next uh, commitment with the team what do you have to do next?
1: Um, We'll we'll go into the workshop early next week have a big debrief work strengths weaknesses and then uh, from there just plan plan uh, for Grand Prix um, the team has a new simulator so I've spent a bit of time on there try and get my head around it as much as I can and then uh, have a pre-brief before then and attack
4: Okay, Mick and Maria Ritter who I know you won a championship with and know them well, yeah. they actually asked me to help with David some years ago when he was in his first year in Career Cup and um, I came up with a, a, a ploy and and he used it, and I can remember when he successfully used it. And the idea was that when he got out of the car, he had just one thing. He had one thing that he could say about the car in every session. It didn't have to be a PR line, didn't have to be a, an engineering setup or anything like that. It just, but just one thing. Not just the girl in the grandstand at the far end, <laughs> you know. Just one thing. Something about the car, the race, what he'd learnt. So next time you go to a debrief at the end of it, turn to Dave and says. Did you learn just one thing out of the weekend? Right. Did you learn just one thing?
1: I'll, I'll do that Monday. Well, ma- maybe Tuesday we might have tomorrow off. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you
4: very much, Anton. We look forward to watching your results through the year.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Join in the conversation. Post your
0: thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This
7: year in Formula 3, I think it's a
1: fantastic
3: environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as about yeah, supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the
0: Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway the City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on Community Radio and online at
4: sportradio.com.au
6: Hi, I'm Scott Pipe, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
4: And welcome to Inside Supercars. We're fortunate enough to be joined by what was the championship team of 2017 with Ryan Story, who is not team manager. You are, your title is CEO? CEO, managing director, team Whatever. principal, all Together the with part. what is more than just Nikon, because Dick Johnson, of course, is here as one of uh, the great successes in Australian motor racing and it's wonderful to be here following on a terrific year you've moved back up to the start of pit lane which have been a number of years since you've uh, cars have been there you must be enjoying that sort of position in pit lane again
2: it's pretty hard to get the smile off your face isn't it when you're in that sort of situation but um it certainly is a different look to the scenery when you walk into pit lane these days and uh, i'm not the only one that's commented on it to be quite honest an awful lot of the punters have uh, have actually said uh, how it is uh, for them I think something that was uh, different for a change yeah. okay. and I think I can get really used to it
6: <laughs> the other thing too we had one of our great sponsors in, in Greg Disco Miller from Hogs Breath Cafe commented to me today. He said, this is a pleasant change because the last couple of years I've had to stretch and warm myself up before walking to your garage in Pit Lane. <laughs> so it's a nice and pleasant change from that.
4: Okay. Well, there aren't many changes, in fact, because it's great to see your livery. I mean, it's such a strong brand, the Shell brand, to see that so proudly shown in Pit Lane with that big yellow Shell, or red Shell, on the yellow background, isn't it? No, it's yellow
2: I want to Sorry, the Peckley. Yeah,
4: yeah, it is fantastic, and and I, I love seeing it because I was around motor racing and watching it when you were putting it out in the bonner of your cars, um, and that's you've got a contract now which takes you through to the end of this decade. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And, yep. Wonderful. We're
6: excited to announce that a few days ago, and it's a tremendous to have a multi-year extension for what was a multi-year agreement. So it it shows that there's. A, Great relationship there that stretches back beyond uh, back beyond the history that we've had and the success that Dicks had with Shell over many many years. But behind the stickers on the race car and uh, and the branding that you see is a quite an extensive business partnership between the Penske businesses in Australia and Viva Energy, which is the exclusive Shell licensee in Australia. So it's a success story that uh, that isn't just uh, isn't just uh, withheld within the confines of uh, of the racetracks that we visit.
4: Now, going into this new year, there were not many changes in the team. Um, obviously, two drivers consistently have been there in the top uh, four all year, I think they would have been last year. So, and they're obviously going to come out fast again. There's no reason why not. You've had a couple of minor changes, or major one, in fact, in uh, Fabian, an engineer. Phil Keat has left the team. And now Mark Fennings moved up to his role. Um, is that the biggest change in the team? It's certainly, certainly one of the biggest. We've had a couple of
6: couple of staff um, with internal uh, internal promotions within within the ranks, and and that's a big focus focus of ours because the the motorsport industry and and the, and the talent pool is is basically spread throughout pit lane. It doesn't expand much beyond that. So to get good people, you you you're best off breeding them yourself in a lot of ways. Um, and that's a, and that's a huge focus. We've got a lot of young young guys who have, who have come on board over the last few years, from mechanics through to engineers, and, and that's something that we want to want to continue with over the
4: over the course of the coming seasons. So we'll continue to grow our own talent. Okay, so, there, so a few a few personnel changes. The cars haven't looked changing look. Um, what about under the skin? Are there any major changes there? Well, Tony, I can't tell you everything. No, 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 thing. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> asking to know the intimates as uh, in the, you know, this is that and all those sort of things. But, you know, I, I'm led to believe that there are some new developments, some of them made in America.
6: No, n- nothing made in America. We we do everything here in-house. Okay. But uh, the reality is if you sit still in this business, you're going to get overtaken very, very quickly yeah. indeed. And, you know, the, the new Commodore has come out and it's a, it's a deadly weapon straight out of the box. So... Uh, we, we have to keep developing and pushing that, that process as much as we can. And we did we did a lot of development in the off-season, did a lot of work and continue to do a lot of work. And Whether everything we bolt onto the car and every change we make makes us go faster remains to be seen. But we, we can't stop that, that evolutionary process of trying to go faster. It's, it's, it's critical.
4: Dick, you've seen it move from the uh, Project Blueprint, the parity coming in, and now the next generation cars and the car of the future. Um, do you think that this is going to continue to... Evolve? Do you think that, you know, I mean, obviously we haven't seen the new manufacturers come in yet. Do you think that's going to happen soon too as well?
2: Well, I suppose that that totally depends on the manufacturers, to be quite honest. Um, I think there's an opening there uh, for, for many, many different manufacturers to uh, to partake in this particular category. And, uh, and quite frankly, it would be nice to see other models and brands out there, but... Uh, that's entirely up to uh, people who want to sort of uh, try and get in touch with factories that want to be involved because uh, you can't do it really without factory support and, yeah. and not that I'm saying we are fully supported by the factory but uh, you need you know, the blessing of the factory to be able to go forward In terms of parts mm-hmm. from Ford for your cars and these current
4: model, I mean obviously manufacturing has ceased in Australia for Fords, Falcons in particular um, what parts are you able to draw from Ford Australia So our relationship with Ford is
6: as been... a lot of mirrors <laughs> <laughs> Our relationship with Ford has been much the same since uh, 2012 um, when when they scaled back their involvement with, with our team in particular and uh, in the lead up to the to the cessation of manufacturing we worked with them to ensure that we weren't going to be pilfering parts out of their out of their legislative requirements to continue to service new cars for that 10 year period so the Geelong Pressing Plant did a number of a uh, n- number of doors and bonnets and, and boots and turrets and, <coughs> and ABC pillars and those sorts of things for us um, before they they wrap things up. So we've got quite a quite of array of parts that can see us through this season and beyond if it's if it's necessary. So it's uh, it's something that we were fortunate
4: enough to be able to get through that process because we had to future proof ourselves in, in in as best way as we could. Do you have a, a, a timeline on when you have to make a decision on next season's car? Is, that, is there a time in the months ahead? or? Yeah,
6: well, I think there's, there's fairly natural deadlines with those sorts of things, and the sooner you know, the better. But we've seen in the past um, other teams homologate cars in a very short space of time, so it can be done. But for us, what is most critical more than anything is that we step from a car that we know is capable of winning races into one that is capable of winning races. So we have uh, have in in the Falcon a, a car that we know is competitive, and we hope it continues to be competitive. It remains to be seen with what uh, what we're up against uh, the moment, from yeah. from the, from this weekend onwards. But uh, but certainly it's it's something that we think about, but it's it's not it's not necessarily at the front of mind. Okay.
2: Well, Jeff, bear in mind, you know, when you talk about uh, model changes, you're talking about panels and yes. an Aero package. So yeah. It's not as if you've got to redesign a whole car, you know, what the basics of the car is there, it's just a matter of uh, the Euro package and, and putting the, the relevant parts.
4: Yeah, we've seen from you know where Volvo came with the smallest car that's been a car of the future, um, to probably yours is the largest car now uh, in that, so obviously there can be a range in there and the Commodore fits somewhere in that sphere. Um, do you have a specific idea that whether you'd go two or four-door, or have the rules been changed enough, or it could be two or four-door? Well, the, one of
6: the key premises of uh, Gen 2 was to allow for the introduction of two-door as well as four-door. Okay. As the rules are written now, it still says four-door, of course, but um, the reality for us is that in the, in in thinking about what the future holds, we have to be certain that we've got a, a relationship or a partnership with, with a manufacturer that... Uh, That allows us to 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 put something together that that bears some fruit but uh, look as it stands at the minute we've got the capability of continuing to run this car for a long time yet and if it remains competitive then that's uh, something that we'll we'll, we'll
4: likely do I'll ask the cheeky question are you in conversation with any manufacturers Uh, it's, it's one of those things where we're
6: always I suppose conscious of what may be around the corner and uh if if a phone if, if our phone rings we'll answer it, but uh, we've we've had discussions with many people over over the years. In fact, even before uh, our our partnership with Team Penske, we had extensive discussions with a particular manufacturer. It's just one of those things that every team up and down pit lane okay. continues to do. But uh, but yeah, we we don't have any. We don't have anything on the cards as it
4: stands here today. Okay. I've only just uh, got hold of the operations manual. I haven't really gone through it yet. I imagine you've looked at it. I mean, it's a complete rewrite in some sections. Do you think there'll be anything in there in sporting regulations? I mean, there's obviously a few format changes that you would have seen and and agree with. You, You know, like the Grand Prix, for instance, there's no fuel stops. Yeah,
6: there's a couple of things, even with you know the ability to change tyres on the grid and things like that. But uh, there, there was an extensive process to try and, uh, I suppose, streamline the way. Simplify in which things, really. Yeah. It's 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 a hell of a job putting that thing together. And as Dick will test, you know, back in back in the day, the manual was that uh, you could sort of, you could sort of, uh, you, you could flick through it flick through it in a, in a half hour sort of period and understand what you've got and it's a couple of pages long whereas these days it's a it's multiple volumes it's and the magna carta <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a bit yeah. like that so it's it's a challenge it's a it challenge is. for the series to keep the rules relevant and and for the competitors to have a an intimate understanding of them but supercars did the right thing and had a, a fairly open transparent process where the teams were able to provide feedback to the early drafts and and, uh, and we were able to offer them some suggestions, and I know a lot of the teams took that opportunity up before the final
4: uh, final version was published a week or so ago. Okay, and Vic, um, you're happy with the cars, happy pit location, you, you're happy with your drivers, obviously both did a crackerjack job last year. Are there any things in the format or the, you know, coming back to now, two
2: 250 races here, you think that would be, that was a positive move? To oh, them? absolutely. They're- Look, the, the best races they ever had here were when they were two 250s two you know I'm, I'm not in favour of these short mm-hmm. uh, these short sort of 60k races and things like that because it's, it's just a procession you know in my eyes um, but you know the, the longer the races I think the, the, the better it suits our, our type of cars because they are very close and you need other things to come into it like strategy and things like that and fuel economy etc etc um, to sort of make it more interesting. One of my great memories with you,
4: Dick, was actually having a ride at your very last lakeside in a brand new car. I, I vividly remember it. I remember actually that weekend, and it was still in the domain of the three twenty-minute races. And the great problem in that era was if you didn't get around to each of the teams between the races. No, wasn't that the first race? That happened? I'm sure no, it was in the second one, wasn't? It? And it was
2: it was very difficult. I'm sure it was equally so when you were competing in it. Yeah, it was. It was. They, they no idea. Like pity we're not on that racetrack now, man. It's yeah. it a great racetrack, but obviously uh, the the category's outgrown it. Yeah. Uh, but quite simply, as I say, I think the longer races are better, which gives you a better opportunity of uh, of putting on a show. Yeah. You must
4: be excited also about the idea, for instance, of Singapore being a possibility.
2: No. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, yeah. I big Singaporean <laughs> I, don't <know>. so, <laughs> so, I don't mind either way mate. Yeah, but but I, I mean I it would be yeah. on a good time zone for being in Australia to be yeah. sitting there before the Grand Prix well you know the thing is that we're, we're doing more races and not getting any more for it if you know what I mean yeah. so it's become a more of an expense on the teams with, without any sort of remuneration so yeah. that needs to be looked at too I think. Yeah, yeah. Well certainly it's the largest calendar you've ever had <coughs> this year. It is and it's, you know, because the Grand Prix uh, is now a, uh, a championship event that adds uh, a little more cost to it, not for any other reason except for the fact that you can't be there as a test session come whatever and whatever the results don't really matter because they do matter you know, even though you you never go into a race to come second. You always try and win it. But, yeah. but if you're trying something new on a car, you wouldn't normally do that in a championship event. Yeah.
4: And tell me, has there been any relaxation in the commercial rules for the Grand Prix? Because one of the rather hideous sights was when the teams have to cover up. When the garages, the transporters, in some way, shape or form, you're not allowed to display your sponsors. Now, considering that Formula One is the most commercial sport in the world, you know, where small countries have less turnover than uh, some of those Formula One teams, there seems a certain irony in that you can't show your colours.
6: That's only because uh, they're not, in, have, well, Bernie
4: in the past wasn't in, in receipt of a cheque. Yeah, I, I only use his surname, <laughs> Eccleston, right? And Because if you use someone's first name, it denotes that you might have some care or affection towards them. and I certainly don't to what he's done to Formula One. So it's Eccleston. So, Liberty, have they relaxed some rules or regulations for you? Have you been aware of that at all? Oh,
6: not, not that I'm aware of yet. We will sort of flick into full-on AGP mode after this weekend, but... Certainly, in the past, it's been a, it's been a noticeable absence, but uh, we're looking forward to going there and it being a championship event. I think that that's a that's a great milestone for us. Yeah. It's a it's a great track, a long track. It's different to to everything else we go. It's to, different yeah. to everything else we go to, so it's it's we're looking forward to it. And yeah. the, the race formats, they've done the best they can to make them interesting, given that we're sort of we're having to fit within the confines of the Formula One circus and roadshow. So it'll be great to have that that longer race there and and. Uh, And, yeah, we're looking forward to it.
5: New CEO coming on boards from Clipsal. What do you have to do to uh, indoctrinate this into the supercar way and how much work is going to be to be able to make sure teams get the right representation back to the uh, majority owners?
2: Well, simple. Keep him away from Roland Dane.
6: (laughs) No, I think it's the interesting thing with Sean is that he's had some exposure... Not to the extent that James Warburton had before he, uh, he he joined the series with seven, but uh, through uh, his time at MediaCom has had some exposure to the sport, and particularly through some of the companies that are involved in, in partnerships and sponsor commercial p- sponsorships throughout the series. So he's got some familiarity there. But look, he's a he's a, an, an astute uh, astute businessman and operator, and we look forward to working with him.
5: What does he need to work on first, as far as a team is concerned?
6: Well, it's interesting. I think the sport continues to have uh, a number of, of pressing challenges, um, but not perhaps not to the extent that uh, that it faced um, when the previous uh, occupant of that role uh, took on the, took on the seat. But uh, yeah, there's there's a number of things that uh, we, as a sport, continue to need to embrace and, and remain relevant and and ensure that the sport has sustainability and. As was alluded to before, the number of events that we go to has a has a taxing impact on on our ability to retain staff and and, and keep that work life balance for for a lot of our guys intact. In so that's something that that we need to consider. But we also need to be be relevant and and in the commercial landscape and, and ensure that we continue to be a be a, a sport that's supported by so many fans out there and and something that's critical for us too so it's, it's, a, it's always a balance but uh, yeah, there continues to be challenges like always but uh, I think if we continue to have good racing and, and the product's right the rest, uh, the rest should surely follow Dick, in your
5: time you, Brock, Bartlett you all had great recognition in the general public we don't see that now with supercars how can that be fixed?
2: i change the attitude of some of the drivers to, uh, to sort of engage with the public a lot more than what they currently do. Um, a lot of them seem to be too aloof and, uh, and put themselves on a different level. Well, you can't do that. To, to look after those people, they're the ones that pay the bucks to come in, they're the ones that buy the T-shirts, and they're the ones that keep us going because the moment that they don't walk through the gate or sit down and watch it on TV... Our category will die. One of the interesting
4: things there, of course, is the names that Craig mentioned, (coughs) and as you are itself, and I'm not saying this to clarify or grandify you, but you're all owner drivers. You all had to make your way. You all had to go out and get a sponsor, put a team together, and you know there were very few hired guns. Mm. Whereas these guys, there are twenty something of them, who uh, are being paid, uh, you know, in some cases, very substantial wages. Um, and they're professional sportsmen, but they don't seem to, as you say, engage with the public. There's not that, but also because there's not the motivation to maybe.
2: Well, obviously, I suppose for them, there's not the need to, right. if you know what I mean. But yeah. um, but in saying that, there's one thing I will say about all our drivers: they they conduct themselves in an extremely professional way. Uh, in the public arena uh, where we to this date and hopefully never see any of them become involved in any scandalous rubbish that goes on with with other categories of sport yeah Yeah, I mean and the great thing is I mean it's a highly competitive category
4: you know I mean there's no shadow of a doubt that we have the best touring car racing in the world Um, and that you know they all compete strongly against each other but the chance to actually... I mean, it's it's like in years... Yes, years, you used to go and drive other cars, and other, other, that doesn't happen much anymore, does it,
2: really? As far as going overseas? Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of our guys are going overseas driving cars, but, you know, I think the thing is that, the, the, that uh, guys coming from overseas to come here, I think, find it difficult, because... They're very different cars, very different.
4: Which also brings us into talking about the category is press coverage. And we all know, I mean, Queensland and and Queensland again, and Sydney and and Melbourne, the football coverage is just so dominant around this country, whether it's AFL, ARL, and now, of course, uh, soccer coming up. That precludes us
2: getting any decent space in newspapers on a regular basis. Well, to a point, it does, but then you've got to have a look at the, the. The fact is that football's played every weekend, and you know even like four or five days per week. Yes. And the same with cricket, you know, during their season, there's different types of it, and we're just one category. That if we had a race every weekend, mate, I tell you, we'd. we'd certainly uh, we wouldn't last too long
4: Going back some years and you know, I've only spent 20 something years coming unlike yourself doing a bit more than that <laughs> um, I, I seem to remember you talking about um, bi-weekly sort of thing I think Cochrane did maybe when he first came in the idea of you know, having a far shorter season being condensed and having that
2: continuing um, exposure to the uh, public I suppose there's an argument for that, but then you've got to have the staff to be able to do it and find the people to do it. Right? right. It's very taxing on these guys to to uh, turn cars around within a weekly uh, weekly time frame. Yeah. And Australia's bigger than the U.S. of A. So yeah, yeah. The travelling distances are significant. So which gets uh, Yeah, you get that yeah and yeah. you know, a football team, you put them on a plane and throw a couple of footballs in there and fly them over. You know, yeah. we're it's a little bit different for us. Yeah. Do you <laughs> think
4: the calendar? And okay, it's the biggest ever calendar we've had, and you know, in terms of racing kilometers and those sort of things. Do you think the calendar is closer to ideal now than it's been?
2: Yeah. Well, look, I'm, I'm all for you know accepting change, and you've got to deal with it. But you know, as long as it's it's productive change rather than something that's going to sort of degrade uh, what the championship's all about. You know, I think we need to sort of be able to consolidate what we have before we move any further forward
4: Yeah. Okay. Alright, well thank you very much to Dick Johnson and Ryan story for coming on Inside Supercars, it's a fantastic look at DJR and the series and we look forward to watching the results, watching the racing this weekend watching the results and talking again probably post Grand Prix and see how it all happens there, so mm. thank you again Dick and Ryan, no thank no you very worry. much Cheers it was been a big, big week in motorsport. I suppose my greatest uh, thing I'm looking forward to is mid-April, about April 13, is getting over to Tailand Bend. As I spoke to you in last week's show, Craig, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic. You're coming in August to the uh, supercars event there.
5: I am indeed, and looking forward to that. Uh, and also, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how who, uh, how, and who gets their head around the brand new track quickest. In the past, I think um, the engineers and team from uh, Walkinshaw have been pretty good on a new track, but we'll just have to see how it all pans out.
4: Yes, one of the things that's come out uh, post-Adelaide is that uh, while there's certainly been some noise from the Ford camp, both DJR Team Penske and Tickford, that they feel they're at a disadvantage. And uh, you've got Roland Dane saying, we'll go and build some new cars. The one thing that's come up is that in many ways, both Shane Van Gisbergen and, and uh, Dave Reynolds have said the car's not that different. Not that difference in setup and not that difference in performance, mm. but certainly it's an improvement. And it's great to see because obviously you don't want to build slower cars. And Roland Dane invested a lot of time and money with Holden giving them the task of homologating the new car, and they've done a crackerjack job. And boy, can we look forward to this around the Grand Prix. Mm. One
5: of my thoughts is uh, esports is becoming a a much bigger and bigger thing. Where in fact, Tony, you may or may not realise this. I think it's may not realise that uh, there will be stadiums of the like of uh, the Rod Laver Arena that host these esports events. In fact, there was one in Beijing last year, which was in the Olympic Stadium in Beijing, where people go and sit down and basically watch. 15 or so competitors playing video games, eSports as it's called. Um, an amazing an amazing spectacle. They uh, obviously put up what's on the screens uh, that the competitors are seeing on the big screens around the venue, but uh, a fascinating trend in, in sport and to that end, Supercars have announced that following the success of their Supercheap Auto 1000 eSport event last year, they're going to expand it to possibly an eight-race series. So uh, all the eGamers, and of course we've seen for years Nissan having that program that's taken eSportsmen into the real world, Uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes from the eSports version of Supercars here in Australia.
4: Well, much as I like my motorsport to have a uh, stopwatch involved, as in I'm not a big fan of drifting, I'm also not a big fan of eSports, because I like real wheels and real steering wheels involved in it, but each their own. I'm glad to hear that uh, it's it's gathering fans, because uh, you certainly want people more and more to be uh, following what goes on on supercars, and we try to bring you on inside supercars, the inside knowledge on that, that very same subject, so... Thanks again for the watching and listening to Inside Supercars. We look forward to uh, next week and bring you more news pre-Grand Prix of Melbourne.
0: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.